0: Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports.
1: Uh, I'm not here for the credit. I'm here for the wins. And um, playing with guys like the guys that are on this team is just a a blessing. It's a beautiful opportunity to play with guys on the team that have so much talent, have so much skill, and have so much passion for the game of basketball. And, you know, that's uh, what what I've always loved, you know, is, is to play the right way of basketball, and we do that here. And um, it's just, uh, I mean, I I don't care if I scored 50 or zero, you know, as long as I'm helping impact the game and we're winning.
0: Well, that was the voice of Aaron Gordon after the Nuggets 104-93 game one. For the record, he did score a 16, not zero, to go along with six points and locked down Jimmy Butler. Statistically coming into the game, the best one-on-one defender against Jimmy Butler over the last three seasons, including times when he was not with the Denver Nuggets. And, uh, Sandy, the, the Nuggets had one of their lowest scoring games in their playoff run. Had one of the worst three-point shooting games of their playoff run. And still won by double digits.
2: They played a methodical, workmanlike game. Uh, As in any game, there were runs both ways. Uh, The Nuggets finishing off the first quarter, the second quarter, and pretty much the third quarter, uh, I thought constituted uh, really uh, the most interesting part of their game. In contrast with how they've sometimes played it in years past. They are more conscious, more aware, and have more of a feel for in-game situations in which their best is asked for. One of the questions that we posed to George Carl yesterday on the program, obviously before the game began, was what to look for in the first quarter. And he started talking immediately about Fundamentals. And there was no sign that the nine day layoff affected the Nuggets emotionally, physically, made them stale, made them rusty. Uh, Maybe Nikola Jokic is a one man rust remover. I mean, quite quite the contrary. They look sharp, they they look fresh, they they look ready. Absolutely sensational, off the top. There was one person in the building who apparently thought Miami was in quote-unquote good position after the first quarter. Down nine? And (laughs) that person was one of the analysts of the game, unfortunately, um, who was not watching the same game that hundreds of thousands, if not millions around Denver were watching uh, last night. And I thought they had control of the game for all but maybe – three and a half minutes from their point of view. Now I understand how Miami might break the game down Mm -hmm. and say, listen, for the last 10 minutes, 20 seconds of a combination of the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter, we outscored Denver 27 to 12 and we figured some things out in that stretch. But I think from the nugget point of view, At the start of the fourth quarter, they got a little lazy for about three minutes. And Malone called a timeout at exactly the right time after the Nuggets had taken an 84-60 advantage and watched Miami score 14 straight points. Starting in the third quarter with a three-pointer right at the end of the third quarter and scoring the first 11 points of the fourth quarter. Malone calls timeout. The Nuggets score six straight. Worked the lead back up to 16. And yes, they did cut the margin to nine. But by the time they did, there were a little more than two minutes to go in the game. Right. And it didn't matter if they were nine behind or 19 behind, they weren't going to win the game. I thought it was a solid performance. And the stat that jumps out is one that you usually don't find us talking about all that much. Two free throws. An all-time playoff low for the Miami Heat in the game last night. And those two were shot by Highsmith at the tail end of the first quarter or toward the end of the first quarter. They had no free throw attempts in the last three quarters of the game. Nuggets played clean defense. The Heat were content to shoot jumpers.
0: And that's one of the... the the things that get lost in the shuffle a bit about this heat team. When you go back and look at them and, and I know you've done the same as I, that I have that once the series is over, went back and looked at a lot of the Miami heat basketball games as much as possible. This is a jump shooting team. Uh, the heat are a jump shooting team. And the, quite frankly, especially given in this playoffs, given the injuries that they've dealt with, with hero uh, in particular, they have relied on it even more than usual this is a team that lives and dies by the three but they are not the golden state warriors and as we talked about yesterday the denver nuggets were a top three team in the entire nba in guarding against the three the third lowest three-point percentage in the league and that percentage got slightly 0.1 percent better in the playoffs they played directly into the nuggets hands and amazingly by a team with the things that we discussed that were dangerous for miami when you're looking at it from Denver's perspective, things that could be dangerous from Miami, was the fact that Eric Spolstra is a very accomplished, very good coach. The fact that that never changed over the course of the game, that Miami was simply content to jump, shoot their way out of that game, and make no effort to get to the free-throw line, given the fact that those two oh, free-throws yeah, happened in the yeah. first quarter, to me was one of the most shocking stories of this game.
2: I, I, I don't know that there was no effort. Um, it wasn't I think the Nuggets it, had something way. to do with that. Yes, that's And fair. you make choices on the defensive end of the floor as to what you're going to take away and what you're willing to concede. And when I saw Struess shooting threes and Robinson shooting threes in particular— uh, those two were one for 14 combined. Uh, my response uh, let him shoot. <laughs> let that chump shoot. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, you know, and in contrast, again, and I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about the announcers, but in contrast to what they were suggesting, those are not good three point shots. They're three point shots you take in rhythm within the flow of the offense, they're standstill threes that you will make very rarely. And there's a difference between the two. And when the nuggets disrupt the flow of the offense, sure, they can take a corner three, but not all three point shots are created equal. Correct. There are bad threes where you might be standing relatively open, but standing, they're not taken in rhythm. Sometimes they're taken late in the 24 second shot clock. It was a lot of that last night, too. They improved their percentage in the fourth quarter, and I'm not saying all the threes they made in the fourth quarter are meaningless because, I mean, within the first three minutes of the fourth quarter, they had taken a 21-point deficit and cut it to 10. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Nuggets were in any danger of ever losing a basketball game. But by and large, and especially early in the game, they were taking bad threes. Again, there were two people in the building who apparently thought they were magnificent shots to take, and they were the two guys calling the game. Even Eric Spolstra uh, said basically after the game, as I understood it, we will shoot better from three-point range because we will take better threes. We will have more motion and more flow uh, in our game. Um, One interesting part of watching Denver operate what the Nuggets were willing to concede defensively last night. Makeable shots by Bam Adebayo. Yes. who I thought was terrific, and a good friend of mine who's a great basketball fan, watches the Nuggets all the time, watches NBA basketball all the time. Obviously a Nugget partisan said partway through the second, wow, they got to find a way to slow this guy down. No, they don't. I said, no, they don't. Let him do it. No, they don't. Uh, He's getting shots that he can make, yes, but everybody else is invisible. So you have to make some degree any time against any opponent of concession, what you're willing to live with. And if he goes for 26 points and five assists, And only turns the ball over once in 40 minutes of action. Good for him. But he wasn't even the high scorer in the game. The high scorer in the game was a fellow who took one shot in the first quarter. And that was with .3 seconds remaining in the quarter after he had stripped the ball. And had taken three shots by halftime and five shots by the end of the third quarter. That was Nikola Jokic, who was the game's high score with 27 points
0: last night. And the difference there is that when you're looking at Jokic, we'll get obviously we'll break this down over the course of the game. Jokic scored 27 points on 12 attempts from the field. Adebayo scored 26 points from 25 attempts on the field. And you can live with that every time. The other difference is Adebayo is not Shaquille O'Neal. His career high is 41. He's going to max out even at the very best somewhere in the 30s, and the Nuggets will be able to win that anyway. They were allowed to do what they did. You've talked about this, Sandy, over the course of the playoffs. Lisa Salt has had a chance to talk to Nikola Jokic after the game. The Nuggets just did what the Nuggets did. They just played their game, and you don't need me to explain it. Here's the Joker
3: some concern even among your own coaching staff about being sharp because of all the time off but you guys were rolling from the initial tip just what what was working tonight you know we respect that team a lot (laughs) they they uh, they fight they never quit and uh, we just wanted to get the first uh, first punch you know they, they, the first three rounds, they, won the, they won their first game at, the, at the, uh, when they traveled, when they play on the road, and we, we, didn't want to have that to happen, and uh, I think we did a good job, you know, we, to hold that team to 93 points, I think it's a really good job. Another triple double for you. Your teammates describe you as a maestro. Entering the fourth quarter, you'd only taken five shots, but yet you were dominating the game. Just. How do you do that? You know, you know the, right now the most important thing is to win a game. And I'm trying to uh, trying to win a game in any possible way. I don't need to shoot uh, and I don't need to score. I, I know I, I don't need to score to affect the game. And I think I did a good job today. Everybody, everybody contributed. Uh, A.G., uh, Jamal, Mike, Casey, like everybody who played contributes. On, and uh, it, it, it's a great win for us. They did not shoot well from three. Just what were you guys doing defensively that worked so well? we we'll just be there, just be there. Even if it's late, contest just to contest. Just uh, don't quit. Like they don't quit, and we didn't want to quit either. So it's uh, it's uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a really interesting series. And like you said, they didn't quit. This is game one of a seven-game series. Uh, there are going to be adjustments. Just what do you, what do you feel that you guys need to do better in game two? Uh, you, you, you see, we we played the three uh, three quarters really really good, amazing. And then in the fourth quarter, we we had a little slacks. Uh, just to, just to keep the same mindset and same, the same focus the whole game. I think that's going to be the adjustment. Thank
0: you. Nikola Jokic, of course, after the game on the ABC broadcast, and, and again, pointing out,
2: just doing what they do. Well, I think he, as usual, made the salient points. One, unlike the Timberwolves, unlike even the Suns and the Lakers, this team won't quit. It's the NBA Finals. And The fact that they've been in six NBA finals in the last 15 years tells you all you need to know about the Miami Heat. Uh, They won a championship in 06. Uh, They won a couple of more with LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. They're not going to quit. That's the latter takeaway. The primary takeaway is that the Nuggets, at their best, which they pretty much were for the first three quarters, cannot be beaten, at least by this Miami team. They can't be. There's no adjustment that Miami can make that will allow them to win a home game uh, for the Nuggets that would allow them to seriously threaten the Nuggets if the Nuggets play with the poise and the sense of purpose that they had in the first three quarters. And I suppose when you're leading by 24 with half a minute to go in a third period, you can be forgiven for letting up even if you haven't substituted very much and you still have your starters out there. It's human nature to let up, and it gives Michael Malone something to talk to his team about between games one and two. Uh, So the, the conclusion there is that it's the Nuggets series to lose, yes, but just as silly and, frankly, just as stupid as some of the things that people have said about the Nuggets that we've talked about, some, not a lot, it is just as silly and stupid to be declaring that Mayor Hancock should be uh, involved in the parade planning right here because this series is over uh, for, uh, let's see, uh, what was the reason stated? Oh, yeah, Pat Riley shook Michael Malone's hand after the game. And, you know, I'm sure it was a situation in which two <laughs> total strangers, yeah. two complete strangers who had never interacted before, even though Brendan Malone was an assistant coach uh-huh. in the NBA for 28 years and played against Pat Riley, coached against uh, didn't play against him, coached against him, uh, that th- th- their, their paths might've crossed Brendan Malone with son tagging along their paths might have crossed with Pat Riley a time or two. Oh, I mean, are you kidding? Framing that as a concession?
0: Well, it's the same. I I
2: mean, it's a joke and we ought to uh, call out local media people who do that as people who apparently have just fallen off another turnip truck and make Denver look Bush league and small time and actually help confirm the idiocy that the national media is putting forward that Denver's some dusty old outback place that uh, overrates every player on their team and that includes Nikola Jokic. You play right into their hands, and what you're saying is just as stupid as what they're saying.
0: Yeah, it, it, you still have to do the homework here. You know, but Nikola Jokic did what he did often after games when his uh, his child's in the stands pointed to his finger. It's part of a nursery rhyme thing, and we know about that. And national media ran with it. ESPN put it on their social media and said, that, you know, pointing to his ring finger after game one. Okay. Context-free though, that's a very different statement, isn't it? Nevertheless, I will disagree. It takes a little while to plan a parade, but I might, I might start investigating just a smidge.
2: But yeah. for, for the, yeah. uh, it's it's idiocy, and we shouldn't give any credence to it just because it's local people who happen to be, in some cases, many cases, friends of ours. It is the easiest, laziest column to yeah, write. It's not over. I could have written, and predicted what would be in the Denver Post today the headline go ahead and book the victory parade route and the column ain't much more sophisticated than that headline is and in that column there's a story of pat Riley coming out of the blue as a matter of concession to shake michael malone's hand and that means pat Riley sees the writing on the wall and the series is over are you kidding me that's the normal good game at the end so we make fun (laughs) we make fun of jay williams for saying that Game 1 was a must-win for the Miami Heat? As stupid as that was. Game 2 is now, but Game 1 wasn't. Okay, but that was stupid, and we said so. Why are we not allowed to say that local media says and does stupid things, too? Of course they do. And the cheerleading is, again, plays right into the Denver is a bunch of local yokels who... Just fell off the proverbial turnip truck. Yeah, I, I get I'm it. I'm sorry. At the, and, and if if we're being honest here, uh, you know, national, I've dealt with national people come in here and say, all of you in Denver in the media are just a bunch of hopeless homers. Well, it, I've dealt I, with I, that I've, for I've, I've over I've 40 years.
0: Yeah, you're right. And, uh, and it's funny because it really, quite frankly, it happens everywhere. I go look at the coverage of the Boston Celtics series against the Miami Heat. Boston, the supposedly heavily sophisticated basketball town, has the same situation within it as well. I mean, it, it's just part and parcel of the NBA experience. The Heat will absolutely adjust. Now, what will they do to adjust? Well, we'll hear from Jimmy Butler, who will explain it himself next on Mile Eye Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at burnhamlaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Never Nuggets win 104-93 to 93 in Game 1. They do have three more games, and, of course, each one gets successfully harder. The Nuggets, to a man, did not talk about how things would get easier. They would. They talked about how things would get harder. They seemed to understand the work in front of them. Of course, so does uh, Jimmy Butler. Butler, who had, uh, like many of his teammates, not named and Bam Adebayo, had a difficult night shooting the ball. Butler, 6-14. for 14, 13 points a minus 17 although he did have 7 rebounds and 7 assists with a steal and a block he wasn't bad uh Aaron Gordon did but an outstanding job Jimmy but Butler. he wasn't playoff Jimmy Butler 13 7 and 7 is not the kind of thing that the that he wants and it's not what the team needs either uh they had bad shooting nights from Caleb Martin who went 1 for 7 uh 3 yes. points in 25 minutes I gave Vincent the only other guy along with high gave, Smith coming I gave off Vincent the Vincent played well. Gabe uh, Vincent, played, Vincent well. played well. Uh, Struce was a disaster, 0 for 10 from the field, including 0 for yeah. 9. Uh, it is hard to believe they'll shoot that poorly, except get this. They shot 33.3% from the three-point line. The Nuggets shot 296 Yeah. I mean, well, that's, what's, that's it, what to me It is.
2: hurts you, though, when you take 39 and only make 33%. Correct. If you take 27 it's and only make 30% that matters. Or close to 30%. Yes. So following
0: the game, Butler, of course, was asked specifically what the Heat would do to adjust for Sunday's game two.
4: I definitely think they came out with um, a lot of physicality, and we have to be able to match that. Uh, they they did their job on the home floor. You, you have to say that, uh, but we will be ready. Like he said, we will adjust, do some things very differently, and uh, come out here and be ready to get one for game two. Left side in fifth row.
5: Jimmy,
1: Nick Friedel, ESPN. Why do you think the offense struggled so much to find its rhythm throughout the night?
4: Probably because we shot a lot of jump shots. Myself, probably leading that pack, instead of um, putting pressure on the rim, um, getting layups, getting to the free throw line. Uh, you know, when when you look at it during the game, they all look like the right shots, and I'm not saying that we can't as a team make those. But got to get more layups, got to get more free throws, and um, whenever you miss and don't get back. The game get out of hand kind of quickly. Um, we gave up too many layups, which we can also can't have happen. Um, but that's that's it as a whole. We gotta attack the rim a lot more, myself included.
2: I thought his best line, and I wrote it down uh, because I thought I it think was you so the same thing that I am. They look like the right, right shots.
0: shots during the game. I thought they the exact- look like the right shots. I noted that. And
2: to the two people analyzing the game, who don't really get it, and the game has really passed both of them by. Uh, they that's they looked like right shots, but they weren't. I, they weren't. There are... I love that You statement. can take two shots from the same place, exactly the same place and the same distance from the basket, and one can be a good shot mm-hmm. and one can be a bad shot. And... Some of the rubes who do the analyzing on these games think, oh, a 20-footer is a 20-footer. Um, depends on where your
0: defenders are. It depends depends on the who else is are, potential uh, No, it's the not. The, there, right? There's
2: an in-rhythm 20-footer, and there's and an out-of-rhythm 20-footer, and there are three-point shots that are better percentage shots if they're taken in rhythm than, you know, shots from half that distance that are twisting or out of rhythm. I, the degree of difficulty is not solely dependent on the distance you're taking the shot from. Correct. Who's guarding you?
0: You know, all these sort of things, all
2: these sort of things. And Eric Spolstra, who is one of the best people to listen to after games said, and it was the reason I made the point earlier when we started the show. Well, they, they didn't really try and Butler said we have to make a more concerted effort. And I get all that. Eric Spolstra noted the nuggets are bringing a third defender over uh, to help. And, That made it a lot more difficult to drive. That's what the Nuggets were intent on taking away. What they were conceding was open three pointers taken out of rhythm. And once you start missing those, unless you can find some sort of rhythm, the way Lowry did Mm -hmm. at the end of the third and start of the fourth quarter, Lowry made several. Right. right? And, and, in rhythm, 11 threes. 5 and 5, in a Even the Vincent, only plus
0: player on the team. Vincent the was
2: 5 for 10 mm-hmm. on threes. He took his threes in rhythm. The guys like Struess and Martin and Robinson, who shot a combined 2 4 16 on threes, were almost never in rhythm. And if you're watching the game and playing, paying any attention, you could see that. A lot of them were at the tail
0: end of the shot clock. Absolutely. It, it was, they, were, was, uh, they
2: were rushed or. They they were taken uh, as kind of a, a concession in and of itself yes. that we can't this get the This is the, the best basket. shot we've got. And this is the best shot we got. So we made a few threes in the Boston series. We shot them well. Uh, to me, the, the whole thing gets back to the absence of free throws and – that was the best part of the Nuggets' defense, and mm-hmm. it was never mentioned during the telecast. How do you until the very end? Of, oh, by the way, they only have two free throws tonight. That should have been the first thing that they were. How do you get back in rhythm, the
0: game, Right when you're a shooter and things aren't falling, what do they throws, tell you to do? Throw or go take to it to the rack. Right. The the Nuggets well, were willing so to. So you bet. can get to
2: the foul line right. where you can make. <laughs> the Nuggets were willing Johns. to make
0: a bet that that if they could cut that off and not let them get back in rhythm, that there would simply not be enough heat shooters That's shooting right. the three That's well right. to That's beat right. them. And they were right. And they know Adebayo, for example, is not one of them. So you could let that go for Adebayo, who did, I agree, have a very good game. But you're you're willing to let But you any, never sent him to the line. You, know, you never sent him to the line, and you are willing to so put any NBA player playing against you in any game, in any capacity, if the guy takes... About as many shots as he has points, you probably did your job,
2: because that's that's an inefficient game. Adabayo I, I I thought he had a terrific game. Listen, he's playing against Jokic. Everybody thinks Jokic is going to kill him. At least on the stat sheet, it it didn't look like a route. I mean, Adibayo had 13 rebounds. Jokic had 10, uh, 26 points for one, 27 for the other. Even five it, assists it for Adibayo. Not bad. Not bad at all. I, I know. I know. The, the, but I'm saying kid, you, he's like, Jokic right. outplays everybody. My point is, you can was live supposed with guy. to. Uh, he was supposed to. Oh, well, Jokic uh, got through Gobert and uh, uh, Towns, and he got through uh, Anthony Davis, and he got through DeAndre Ayton. What the heck is Adebayo going to do against him? I'll tell you something. Adebayo's a better player right now than any of those guys. I will he agree with that. He's a better player than they are. And it was. Not surprising to see people forecast that Jokic, having embarrassed all those other guys, would embarrass him on home court. But the one member of the Heat, and there were probably one or two others, but the one starter for sure who wasn't ever embarrassed last night was Bam Adebayo. Yes. He, was, he played a perfectly respectable player. game. Their
0: best player, and it wasn't even called but that close.
2: They conceded that on a, on a night, even on a good night, that he would only be able to score so many points, do so much uh, damage. Um, I, I thought the only fly in the ointment for the Nuggets was getting out rebound in the offensive glass 11 to 6. But there weren't a lot of offensive rebounds for the Nuggets to get, first of all, because they weren't missing very many shots. Yeah. They shot over 50%. And for Miami, there were a lot of available offensive rebounds because they shot 39 of 96 from the field. So they had more of an opportunity to offensive rebound. But on the two free throws, you're right. Miami doesn't shoot a ton of free throws, but in the playoffs, they're getting 20 a game. Yeah,
0: maybe two, and two in the common.
2: regular season, they got 23 a game. Yeah, And to get two, I don't care if a team doesn't is last in the league in free throw attempts. You have to look hard and f- hard and far to find a game where that team, last in free throw attempts, has a game with two free throws. It's almost unheard you of. It's almost unheard of. it is to you. literally unheard of in the playoffs. In the finals, it's never happened. That, that, well, in yeah. any playoff game, it's never happened. Yep. Forget about the finals. In no playoff game in NBA history, pre-24 second clock, post-24 second clock, has there been a playoff game that involved only two free throws being shot. And, you know, it's interesting. There were 66 three-point attempts last night and 22 free throws. If you go back to game one of the 1983 finals, Lakers and 76ers 40 years ago, I think there were two three-pointers shot in the entire game, both by the Lakers, none by the 76ers, who won the game and scored 113 points. The game has changed, but that part of the free throws, have not, Sandy, I mean, in the end, look, uh, Miami, get to the line. Miami went two for Gotta two. To the, line. The,
0: the Nuggets went 16 for 20. The Nuggets outscored the Heat by 14 points
2: on the line. They won wow, the, game by they by the game by 11. yeah. So that had something to do with the outcome. Had a lot right? to do with it. And setting the tone for the game when so the Nuggets were getting to the foul line and the Heat were You not. will
0: see a concerted effort by Miami to go to the basket. The bright side for the Nuggets, of course. Is that they know it's coming now? They know it's coming. It has to come, and so that also plays into the the, the Nuggets' hands. And he didn't play a major uh, role in it, but Christian Brown did resurface uh, eight minutes on the floor, I and thought he was effective. And uh, therefore, the defensive purposes uh, is a bit of an interesting tidbit there, and also the idea that that Brown is in there to play defense. Jamal Murray was asked about. Uh, the defense as a whole. We'll hear more from him later, but also mentioned that they don't think of Christian Brown as a rookie. Well, uh, Nikola Jokic was asked much the same. Here was his response about Christian Brown.
3: Nikola Jamal said earlier that the team doesn't look at Christian Brown as a first year player. Why doesn't the team look at him as a
5: rookie? I mean, um, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good uh... I say comparison. not comparison. sentence about him. Uh, really good, actually, and I, I and I agree with that. Uh, just because he's everything what he's doing, it's a, it's aggressive, uh, defensively, offensively. Uh, he, he he he's a champion. He's a, he won a couple things before before coming here, so he knows uh, what to do, and uh, that's a really, really good sentence. We don't we don't look him as a, as a rookie.
2: Well, he's not a rookie on the defensive end of the floor. He's a national championship player. was a consequential player. One of the top three players on the national championship team and a player whose game grew. He was not an AAU kid who was, uh, uh, uh emboldened, enabled, uh, treated with kid gloves growing up. He got, he got a lot of tough love, including from just about every coach he ever played for. And, uh, he, uh, was coached by the best coach in college basketball, in my opinion, right now in Bill Self. And he clearly has a rapport with uh, Michael Malone, although uh, I still wonder why Malone didn't play him a little more than he did during the regular season, especially early in the season. But that's passed, and I thought Malone used him in exactly the right way last night. And uh, he made a hustle play, um, again, one in which uh, everybody in the building appreciated, save for one. Let me give you yeah the idea that I, you sort of just scooped it up Oh, somehow, why didn't he scoop it up and as lay it as in? As if
0: he's got super long dumb. arms or whatever. I don't know. What but
2: dumb. but get this.
0: We, we're hearing about Nikola Jokic, of course, setting records left and right every single game. Christian Brown will not set one, but will join some pretty exclusive company where they're not going to come away with the title. See if some of these names ring a bell. Arnie Farron from University of Utah and then the Minneapolis Lakers. Yep. Bill Russell from San Francisco mm-hmm. and the Boston Celtics from 56, 57. Billy Thompson, Louisville in 1986 and the Lakers in 87. Henry Bibby, UCLA in 72, the New York Knicks in 73. Yeah. And one, Irvin Magic Johnson, Michigan State in right. 1979 and the Lakers in 1980.
2: Those are the only five players in the history. Right. Well, Wild, collegiate and I, N- I think Sports. we can name the players who had a little more to do with the winning of those championships than uh, a few of the others. Right. But I'll tell you but this: You're talking about Christian Brown right now. Regardless, Sam. right now is as good a player as Henry Bibby ever was, and I know of Henry Bibby because I grew up as a fan of the Knicks, and Henry Bibby was a nice player coming off the bench. He was the Knicks' fourth guard behind Walt Frazier, Earl Monroe, and Dean Memminger I mean, in their championship about... season of nine. So, uh, what is Christian Brown? Christian Brown's kind of a swing player, kind of a positionless player. Sure. Um, it, Christian Brown uh, plays about the same amount of time in a typical playoff game as Henry Bibby played in nineteen seventy three. Yeah, we're not comparing Magic Johnson and Bill Russell, obviously. Well, no, no. But they had a lot more to do
0: with their teams. But winning. the simple point is, there have only been five human beings, yeah, who have ever. In consecutive seasons, won the NCAA title right. and then immediately right. won the NBA right. title. Right. Well, That's they,
2: it. They're not afraid when, when they, uh, you know. Obviously, Magic never was, and Bill Russell never was. Magic was positionless even, himself. Even, by the way, even it, even the Henry Bibbys and um, Christian Browns of the world who don't play a lot, they aren't scared. They've been on the big stage. They played under championship pressure, and. They, they know what to do. Uh, Christian Brown had one assist on a play where he appeared to be trapped in trouble, maybe in danger of turning the ball over. And good thing that Michael Porter has learned uh, ever so gradually to move without the ball because Brown spots Porter in the corner, flips him the ball, and Porter hits a three. At the end of the first quarter, which is one of the reasons why the Nuggets finished off the first quarter as strongly as they did. And Christian Brown off the bench in the first quarter last night. Interesting. Good for Michael Malone, who I thought coached a masterful game last night. He had them prepared. The nine-day layoff only energized them. It had no negative impact at all on them. Uh, they were not rusty. They were not stale. They, were, they didn't leave any part of their game on the practice floor, but they were also sharp fundamentally right from the beginning when you thought, you know, early on, nerves will play into it. They'll take some bad shots. They'll force some bad passes. None of that last night. And the Nuggets finished the game with 29 assists and 10 turnovers, almost a 3-to-1 ratio.
0: Spectacular stuff. Yeah, extraordinary performance and uh, led in many ways. We talk about the Nuggets offense, but the Nuggets defense in many, many ways led the way for this game. Uh, None more important than Aaron Gordon. We'll hear from Nicole Jokic and Aaron Gordon himself about the way he feels about his defense. We'll do that next on My Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Sean Tar on Mile High Sports. Exciting times for the Never Nuggets. Up one to zero. Thanks for joining us. Of course, we want to know what you think about the Nuggets big one hundred four ninety three victory. Call and text line is 303-831-1340. You can follow me on uh, uh, social media at S-Drotar as well. S-D-R-O-T-A-R. I try to get back to people on that uh, when I can. Not during the show, obviously, but feel free to reach out when uh, you'd like. I'll do that as well. But... For the Nuggets, we have talked about the way this roster construction uh, under Calvin Booth, the slight revamp and tweak really changed things. But it's also the cultural buy-in. And little by little, we will, we will get to him. Uh, you mentioned, I, I joked with you in the, in the break, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard you, we've been doing this for a while now, I say Michael Malone and masterful in the same sentence before. But the way that he has approached this playoffs, the way he has approached his players, the way that he is, is really paying off. We talked about Christian Brown. Could he have played more in the early parts of the season? Uh, yes,
2: but here he is in the first quarter of Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Yeah. After having not played at all in Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals and been yanked, and I thought a proper, uh, properly so in the third quarter of the previous And game. we'll get
0: to Michael Porter Jr. in a bit, but over the years in which Malone has coached him now, all of a sudden it appears that something here, the investments have been paying off. But we'll start on Aaron Gordon because right. Aaron Gordon tasked with with facing and basically handling Jimmy Butler. The one of the most dangerous people in the playoffs, playoff Jimmy is very real. You have any questions? Go ahead and look at the you know carcasses of the other teams that he's dismantled over the course of uh, this season and many prior to that. But it it was the early part of the game. One of the things I, I mentioned yesterday was I wanted Aaron G- Gordon early in the game to start playing some bully ball. I wanted him to get low, wanted him to, to you know, go ahead and bounce into those guys. If they're going to put a smaller guy on him, take him to the rack, get the energy down. That's exactly what he did. And, and uh, Gordon's offense in the early going really made, uh, the, got the Nuggets off to a really hot start. He actually finished with a, a very solid game of 16 points, 16 boards and assist, a block plus 15 on 7 per 10 shooting. Very efficient. Only took one three. Missed it, but that's fine. Doesn't need to be out there shooting threes. Did a great job on Butler. But the idea over the course of the year, as Gordon has settled into this team and changed his style of play, remember, this guy was the fifth overall pick and expected to be an, an offensive juggernaut that he never quite turned into coming out of Arizona. Now at the age of 27, he sort of embraced his identity. And that identity is whatever you need. Here's what Nicola Jokic said after the game.
5: I love, I love to play with him. I love to play with some, uh, some, I want to say, dominant big men, if that makes any sense. Uh, but he's he's really he's really uh, the best thing that he did is accepting his role, and he's really doing a great job of, of that. Uh, and like today, he had a, he got going. We we were just keeping keep getting him the ball, and he 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 was really good uh, in the paint today. You know he's our best defender, probably with with KCP, and um, you know just just to play to play defense the whole the whole game on the best player. I think that's really hard to do. Yeah. Understatement he, he of the was year. But
2: yeah, it <laughs> was brilliant, uh, Gordon. Uh, the Nuggets outscored the Heat in the paint, forty six thirty eight, and you know that Adebayo had almost all his points in the paint. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's an impressive advantage, and it was much more one sided than that in the first quarter of the ball game. And Aaron Gordon has uh, always been an interesting story. Uh, His older brother was supposed to be uh, the great basketball star in the Gordon family. Uh, Didn't quite work out uh, for reasons that uh, uh, you can uh, read about uh, with Marcus Thompson writing a fine uh, long uh, feature on uh, Aaron Gordon. Uh, and the influence of his brother, his older brother on him. Yeah. Uh, his uh, older brother is the person he comes to when things right. aren't going well and yet comes to for advice. And uh, his older brother was one of the more emotional people after the Lakers series. Of course, Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. had that great game four when he scored the 23 points and uh, did a wonderful defensive that blocked uh, the shot late in the game that won the game, mm-hmm. uh, remember? And uh, was arguably the best nugget uh, on the floor in in game four. And uh, Aaron Gordon comes along and he blossoms. Uh, he comes into the pros, he plays for a bad team, and he's asked to do more than he's really capable of doing well. And when he came here, I think there was uh, there were some things he had to unlearn, but he had a willingness, I think, right throughout, to focus on the things he could be great at doing. And it didn't take him too long to figure out, and it really came to pass this year when Porter and Murray came back, he figured out, well, this is where I can be effective in conjunction with Jokic.
0: Yes. Uh, And I I don't have to do
2: things as much as I did them last year. And I think last year we all felt, too much of his game was perimeter. Too much of his game, uh, his offensive game, his offensive production was dependent on the three ball. Uh, as we saw last night, his first round of the game was three ball. That was an air ball. Uh, but uh, then, then everything Things else the was dunks and lamps, especially in the first quarter. And he scored four points after that, but wasn't needed to score more. Uh, concentrated on his defense. He's exceptionally good at that. He is not and never will be a great rebounder. Uh Michael Porter is more explosive, more springy as and, a and rebounder. He has
0: something of a natural
2: sense of 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 it. Uh we'll, we'll get to him in a bit. But, but, yeah. but you don't see Gordon's guy getting a ton of rebounds nope. either. So he is fundamentally very good. He knows on offense where he can be most effective. He doesn't Uh, get to the foul line a whole lot. Or is he
0: a particularly good shooter? He's
2: not a great foul shooter, and he's not a great rebounder, but otherwise fundamentally at both ends of the court, he's pretty good. And Jokic will play to your strengths if you are cooperating with him and you recognize that you can play to your strengths and he will find you. How many of those passes, especially in the first quarter, were thrown in exactly the right way at the right time, uh, in the right location, but he had to fundamentally seal off the defender. Even a small man, it's easier to do that, obviously, with a small man, but these were virtually uncontested shots he was taking, and a couple of them involved bully ball maneuvers by him and not just feeds when he was wide open. Murray had a couple of those when there was nobody near him. But even though they were small guys, Jokic reads the game. Jokic reads the defense as well as anybody. So if they want to stick smaller guys, including Jimmy Butler, who is a slightly smaller guy Mm -hmm. than Gordon, on him, the Nuggets will take advantage of that because Jokic allows them to. And Gordon knows how to play with Jokic. As we mentioned coming
0: into the uh, game yesterday, according to Second Spectrum data from the last three seasons, Aaron Gordon has been the single best on-ball defender against Jimmy Butler in the entire league. And by a lot, uh, Butler had been 11.4 points per 100 plays when defended by Gordon, and that's everyone with a minimum of the 100 matchups. But against everybody else the last three years, 17.9. He had a shot 26% against Aaron Gordon, 35% or better against everyone else. Gordon has turned himself, and when you've seen him in the rookie year in the first couple of years where he was known as a high-flying dunker, turning himself into a basically a lockdown defender of multiple positions was not what anyone had in the cards for him, including but he had Gordon. it in the cards for himself. And Gordon,
2: his credit, he wanted to
0: his credit, certainly has embraced it. Here's what he said after the game. Uh, not yet, Not yet.
1: Uh, I'm definitely going to... Be sitting in my rocking chair when I'm seventy nine, ninety years old, you know. what I mean, talking to my kids, like, yeah, back in the day, I locked these guys up, but <laughs> it's just, um, it, it's part of the game, you know. I'm doing what my team needs me to do, and like I said, it's it's um, it's a team effort. It, it always is, you know. It's it takes five five guys out there
0: to play a, a complete defense. Give full, full credit for that, and again, it, it is. I don't want to be overly effusive in in the praise here, but this Denver Nuggets team to a man during this playoff run has gotten tighter and more connected to use the the, the term for the year for the Nuggets than any other team in the league. And it's one of the reasons that they're in the position they're in guys embrace their role. That takes self-sacrifice. Aaron Gordon didn't come into the league thinking he was maybe going to be a guy that averaged 14, 15 a game and become a lockdown defender.
2: Um, but you know what I, he's realized? I, I don't He's know. realized it's going to make him a champion. You know what? I, I do think he realized, I think that that story by Marcus Thompson brought it out that he did. And he was asked to do things that or Orlando that he had to do, even knowing he wasn't very good at it. He didn't like losing. They did a lot of losing. It wasn't a lot of fun. Um, I think we were all uh, a little disappointed after the initial first games that he played here. Oh, those first, like, 11 games where they were. Right, right. But once Murray went out, he seemed to kind of lose his way again, and he was kind of in limbo between the way he played in Orlando and the way he knew always that he had wanted to play. But then Murray was out, so now maybe I, I need to score 15 to 20 a game. And I I think he lost his and Then Murray, of course, as we all know, didn't play last year uh, at all. And there was a little. And Porter didn't play, but nine games right last year. So I think there was a little bit of that sense still that he had to create offense. But that wasn't the way he ever wanted to play. Well, when he was tagging along with his older brother, who was a big star. Right. On the, on the AAU yeah. circuit. Well, and Drew, uh, Drew played
0: at UCLA and then transferred to right. uh, New Mexico. Right. right? And, it,
2: and it just, he had a good college career. Uh, he never really found his spot uh, in the NBA. I think he went over to Europe and played. This is the older brother now. And Aaron came behind that uh, maybe without the same expectations and the same pressure that the older brother had, but the older brother's influence was always there. And The older brother wanted Aaron to play the quote-unquote right way, the old Larry Brown uh, phrase that uh, we heard a lot about here in Denver when Larry's the coach here. Uh, Spanning the ABA years, the last ABA years, and the first few nugget years in in the NBA, Doug Moe certainly epitomized that, George Carl. They all talked about playing the right way. And uh, I think Michael Malone, uh, uh, the son of a coach who was involved with a number of the great coaches of uh, the 1980s, 1990s, uh, first decade of the 2000s, and maybe even on into the second decade of the uh, 2000s, they know what it is to play the right way. And I think Aaron Gordon, when he came here, had a niche. And once Murray and then Porter went out, that niche he didn't feel was there. Remember, we talk all the time about how the nugget parts didn't fit together. Mm-hmm. Now they do.
0: Yes, they. Most in past
2: do. years, they haven't quite fit. You know, there there have been some pieces, uh, there's some square pegs that were being looked to uh, get jammed into round holes. Now it all fits. The Nuggets, of course, find
0: themselves in a in an enviable position. It is not over by any stretch, but the performances they got. Uh, up and down the roster last night certainly make things interesting, and one player in particular seems to be coming into his own. And again, some of this may be due to the culture that Michael Malone has created over the course of seasons. And we'll talk about Michael Porter Jr. You'll also hear from Coach Malone, Aaron Gordon, and Jamal Murray about MPJ next on MyLe Sports.